Hello YouTube, uh, this is Rizwan from Anime Secrets here. Um, today we're starting a new uh, YouTube series. It'll be a limited run for uh, one of the uh, Super Sentais uh, currently airing in Japan right now. Resta Sentai Tokyuzer, which is the 38th um, season of Super Sentai. For those that don't know, Super Sentai is the Japanese equivalent of Power Rangers. And it's actually where Power Rangers originated from. Um, with us tonight, we're joined by Anthony Davis from Anime Declassified, Yo. our uh, child uh, podcast that we have been doing on YouTube for the last few weeks. And uh, guest speaker uh, Nathan Desay from Otaku Sentai Lizzie Ranger um, and some other uh, Facebook groups that we've met him through. Um, yeah, we have a little bit of bias here with the Otaku Sentai Lizzie Ranger crowd, but... What can I say? These guys are the ones I trust to talk with uh, Sentai about. So, um, without further ado, let's uh, break down the format for tonight. Um, I, as you might have seen on the website, uh, I've been reviewing Tokyo Zero for a couple of, uh, since it began. But around the point of episode 17, um, I took a hiatus from watching it because I was getting really bored by it. But uh, recently, I started watching again. I caught up, and I figured instead of doing like written reviews, I would do some podcasting to make it more fun and hit more points than I possibly could have during a review session. So Nathan and Anthony are here to help me with that, given they're fellow Sentai fans and have both watched all of Tokyo's drum until right now. Uh, Tokyo's are scheduled to end, I think, this weekend. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, it's been a hell of a train ride, but here we go. Um, Tokyo's here. Uh, actually, do, do you guys want to say anything before we begin? Um, let's see what I want to say. Um, just the fact that I'm, I'm only fans of two of the characters, and one of one of them isn't there at the moment, but we'll get to that when we, when we get to um, talk about the characters and stuff. I I would probably like to note that uh I mean I guess this probably should matter because a lot of people like to uh, judge Sentai's based on like who wrote them and uh, the head writer for this Sentai I'm pretty sure her name is uh, Yosuku Kobayashi and uh, some of the other Sentai's that she wrote uh, she did an episode of Mega Ranger and then she was the head writer for uh, Gingaman which is a uh, Lost Galaxy's counterpart Time Ranger Time Force's counterpart and she also did Shinkinger, which is uh, which I'm pretty sure Anthony has seen, and a lot of yeah, other really I've seen, I've seen it completed, yeah. And everybody, and a lot of people really love that Sentai. And then we have uh, a season that um, I know that Rizwan has seen at least half of it. It's uh, Go Busters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I see Go Busters too. So obviously, like when the Sentai was first coming out, people obviously had high expectations because. Usually a season written by her is considered to be one of the better ones. I mean, a lot of people don't like Go Busters, but I'm pretty sure people still had high expectations, irrespective. And uh, while we're doing this little introduction talking thing, I'd like to point out a couple of facts. So the listeners and viewers of this video and podcast, I'm still kind of terminology is kind of weird for me. But anyway... Um, I'd like to point out that the collective three of us have seen 
I think we've all seen all 20 seasons of Power Rangers in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I have only seen uh, Kazuka uh, Sentai Gokaiser, which is the 35th Sentai adaptation. Uh, not adaptation, but season. And I've seen parts of GoBuster, a little bit of Kyrieser. Uh Tokyoizer is my second almost full uh, Sentai I've seen. I'll be finishing it, obviously, this weekend. But this is the first one I've been watching on a weekly basis, and I just want to throw it out there so y'all know I'm not, like, the biggest Sentai knowledge... I'm not the most knowledgeable in Sentai. I know a lot from podcasting with the guys, but a lot of my knowledge just comes from reading and hearing things. So, Tokyo for me, I'm going to base it just as a standalone... No connection to any of the past Sentai's. I'm not going to compare it to how it did to anything else. Um, my goal is to just compare, like, just rate it as it is on its own merits. Uh, you guys are free to do however y'all want, because I know you guys have seen a bit more than I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? No, that's it. Alright, well, um, Resta Sentai Tokyoizer. Um, this is, like I said before, the 30th uh, season of Super Sentai. And the motif, as you may know, every season of Sentai has a motif. Uh, Go Kaiser is pirate, Sinkenzer is samurai, Go Buster was uh, cybercrime, Kyurazer is dinosaurs. Uh, Tokyoizer is trains. Which. It's a uh, very unique and limited motif. I mean, I don't think there's ever been like a train-themed Sentai before, or like a Common Rider. I could be wrong on Common Rider, dude. Uh, I believe it was Dino. I believe. Yep. Okay, so there is a there is a train motif in Common Rider. At least that's what I hear. I've never seen a Dino, but yeah, I, I did read that. They they, yeah. they do like. Uh, like you have a, uh, like a, a time like, like a, a time traveling like a uh, train, I believe. Uh, that's my thing. Okay. Well, and when I first saw the trailers for Tokyo, I was a little, I was really skeptical, dude. Uh, this is back when I had just finished Go Kaiser. I had seen information on Go Busters and Kyrieizer, and I had begun my crazy marathon of all the Power Ranger seasons to try and keep current before Super Mega Force. And just looking at the Tokyoizer helmets and the outfits... You're like, uh... I mean, they were ugly. They were ugly? They were really badly done, in my, in my opinion, back then. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like the suits, uh, especially with the helmets. Uh, I do... I mean, I guess I kind of appreciated them trying to do, like, a different theme with some of the trains based on the helmets. Like, for example, the Red Rangers... Helmet appearing to have like a smokestack in the front, and like while the other ones don't have that. But aside from that, uh, I I really didn't like the suits. I mean, like the whole like the whole like it's too much color and not enough white. That's my last opinion. So I do want to point out one thing about this uh, team of colors. I I believe this is the first time in Sentai history that we get a uh, lime green color for the Green Ranger. Yep. Normally it's a bit yep. more darker in a color. Yeah. Which, it's not a huge thing, but it's still interesting to see for the first time the uh, lime green coloring. 
Yeah, you usually get that dark color. One more thing before we jump into the actual meat of this review. Um, so I'm not explaining it during review. It's a bit more confusing. Tokyizer has a weird premise with the power changing. Um, instead of like just having their one color, like Red Ranger, Blue Ranger, whatever, they're no they're numbered. So it's Tokyizer one, Tokyizer two, and that is because the uh, Tokyizers can swap their uh, trains that are under Morpher. Basically, I I probably explained it. Um, yeah. basically they're switching lines. Basically, there's the pink one, red one, blue, yellow, and pink, and they're all like they can interchange between lines and stuff, which can get kind of confusing unless you have the numbers listed on their bodies. Otherwise, you wouldn't know like who's who. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I I never actually realized the line thing before. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, that's that they actually explained that before. Wow. And that idea until Q Jordan <clears throat> just I have to admit that like as much as it's a cool concept, up until like maybe the midpoint of the season and I'll and I'll mention why it worked a bit better when we get to that point, I didn't really like that concept that much because there didn't really seem to be much of a reason. I'm like in Gokaiger, where like sometimes it would make sense why they would change into this team or that team, but yeah, but here this is like thing that they just throw in. Yeah, for me, it's um, it was confusing watching the battle scenes with that. Um, it, it just made no, it was really bad for me. They didn't really explain why they could, they they were able to do this. Though I will say, it's a great what if. I've always wondered since the beginning um, what happens if you use a different power coin or like a different uh, galaxy sword or whatever. Like, what if you use somebody else's uh, device? What would happen? Yeah. Would you still turn into your color? Is it like DNA coded? Is like just within you and the, and the device is like a manifestation? Or does the device actually give you everything? And at least in the spectrum of tokens, you're, you're given the answer to that. Yeah. That it's and, based on the device. And no one can complain like Sky from SPD. All I want to take this to the. You're bam, you're ready. Whoa, Anthony, bro. You're uh, cutting out. Hang on. Oh, look, you're back. Um, can you hear me now? No. How about now? Better. What I was saying was that, like, I'll take this for example. Think of Sky from SBD, how much he wanted to be red. Yep. If he were to like claim, like, oh, I want to be red, he could just always just take somebody's line and switch them and be like, hey, I'm red now. And there'd be no complaints. Yeah. But anyway, now that we have the background for Tokis, are more or less set up, and we'll fill in the gaps as we go along now. Um, Tokis are open with a bunch of kids on a train. Um, they were kidnapped by a monster named uh, Sato Creep Bag Sato. And the only reason I still remember his name right now is because I wrote it and reviewed for the first episode. But anyway, um, he's one of the Sato line evil monsters. And the premise of the Sato line is they try to absorb all the negative energy to kind of fuel the darkness that 
they're trying to uh, foster and make bigger to try and take over the world. Whereas you have the Rainbow Lion, which is trying to fight that to keep the light. So we're basically thrown into the middle of a plot by one of the monsters who's trying to take the negativity of the kids by making them cry, and it's pretty—it's kind of tragic, I guess. Yeah, and uh, and I want to point out for like the beginning portion of it is most talk about like how the how like it involves more or less kids, you know, seeing all this crazy stuff because of imagination and all that and like this. They like they really sold like imagination being like the big thing in this series instead of it being all like oh if the adults can't see it because you know they're they're adults they can't you know really picture imagination etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's kind of like the Santa Claus premise where yeah after mm-hmm. a certain age you just can't do it anymore. Exactly. Um, but anyway, during this plot to steal all the energy from these kids. There's a young man on a train sleeping, which, how is he sleeping to begin with? I didn't understand until about an episode ago, but I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, right? The name of the guy is just sleeping on a train, no big deal, just knocked out. <laughs> and he's awoken and sees this monster doing all this horrible stuff to the kids, and he starts to uh, fight back, and... During the uh, fight, the uh, Tokizers uh, board the train from the Rainbow Line, and they start fighting the monster, and they take a right back to their own train, uh, because he was knocked out during battle. And when he wakes up on the uh, Rainbow Line train, he realizes that the Tokizer are actually his childhood friends. Takati, Mio, Kagura, Hikari. Did I say that right? Yeah, yep. all of them. Yeah. yeah. And he he's introduced to the mentor of to, of the Tokizers. His name is Conductor. With his little sidekick, Ticket. By the way, Conductor is creepy. He really is creepy. He is the creepiest mentor I've ever seen. And that's not saying much, given I haven't seen too many mentors yet. A Sentai. But I mean, Nathan, I mean, he, he's, seen up, he's up there. I've seen more, and he's the weirdest one I've seen yet. I'm pretty. If yeah, you don't count Common Rider. I could put him on the creepy meter. I mean, probably a, probably in like maybe the top five. He's dead. He definitely has competition. Like uh, this, I can't remember his name, like the Elephant Visage from a uh, Geki Ranger who was like. Oh, like, yeah. Real, like a real pervert. Yeah, he was sexually harassing Geki Yellow. Really? You can't get much creepier than yeah. that. <laughs> okay, then. Did not know that, but that's something to keep in mind for Geki Ranger. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Wright's like, why, why are you guys all on this train? What are y'all doing me and Tokyo users? And they're like, well, you're Tokyo user one. And Wright's like, okay, cool. I'll be a Tokyo user and I'll help you fight because that's the right thing to do. Um,. So they go, they go try to save the kids, and uh, Wright forgets his uh, Tokizer changing device, whatever it's called. <laughs> the funniest line ever. He's like, wait, how do I turn to a Tokizer again? Yeah. And he's just punched off his face. Like he, he basically jumps from the Rainbow Line train to the Sato train. He's like, wait, I'm forgetting something. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other four are like, he really did that. We better go save him. 
called a uh, Tokyo Changer, by the way. Oh, Tokyo Changer, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, they save they save the kids and they defeat the monster by using their combined weapon system, their combined weapons into a uh, bazooka kind of thing. And the unique thing with the bazooka is the bazooka ammo changes every time you use it. Yeah. And it's fueled by imagination, which, by the way, imagination, if you can't tell, is a huge motif. Don't you mean imaginations? Yeah, that's why I find Conductor really, really creepy. Because yeah. he basically, when he sees them, he's like, Imagination! And any subsequent time he'll say imagination, he'll say it like that. And... I don't know. I just found him really creepy for that reason. He's done Al- other along with other stuff. things. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also has like he has a ticket on his hand. Ticket says uh, hand puppet that he actually makes move and talk and everything. And everyone and everyone's convinced that ticket is a is a, it's a puppet. That's all he is. But ticket has his own personality, and he's really really mean. He's a prick. <laughs> he is such a prick. You're being you're being nice. He's a prick. Yeah. So, they uh, defeat him using the Tears of the Children, which when they send it through the bazooka, just kind of makes a bunch of crying babies appear on top of him, like stone babies. These, and yeah, they fall on him. Explode, I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, during the fight, that's when they figure out that they can also trade their uh, colors. Because Wright's like, huh. I don't. I I, I want to try this out. He just grabs the train off the other guy's Chucky Sainz and tries it on. And oh look, it worked. I'm now green. It worked. Oh wait, now I'm pink. Oh wait, now I'm yellow. It actually gets to the point where even conductor and ticket are like, wait, you stop that. And they just they they hit like a reset switch in the train itself, and all the trains go back to normal. They're like, stop that. That's annoying. Yeah, and it really was annoying. I'm so thankful he did that because otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know who it's who. I mean, I would, but it's exactly. kind of hard to keep up. Except for, like, maybe, like, if a guy was pink, then, like, you know, you would kind of say, oh, that's a guy being pink, you know? Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. Because then you wouldn't see this. They, they actually do pay attention to detail. The skirts aren't on the men. Yeah. So that's a good Thank thing. God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wright's already kind of fruity as it is. <laughs> it got a little aggro, too, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, they formed their Tokyo O Mecha after Bag Shadow turns big and bad, like every other monster and every other uh, Sentai and Rangers has ever done. So, they formed their uh, giant Megazord equivalent called Tokyo, which, by the way, Tokyo is a pretty ugly looking mech. It's not that killing. I, I don't think it's the. I, I still think that Travelian, which is uh, the equivalent of the. Uh... Solar Streak, Megazord, and Power Rangers Mystic Force is still the ugliest train mech, but I'm, I still don't think that Tokyo looks that awesome. Like, I mean, I, I think it actually, I, I think it has the worst I've seen. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the toy either because, like, the minute that it showed like the toy before it showed in the show, it looked like one of those cheap Happy Meal toys you get at McDonald's and. The, ship, the show's version doesn't really improve on that design that much. I just feel like the, I just feel like these mechs, like right now, the first one is just not. Train mechs did not happen. Yeah. I think I really 
am a strong believer that um, the mech designs to be left to like animals or dinosaurs or whatever. Yeah. None of this like the cars and the trains because they just don't look all that creative when they're done. Yeah. I mean, it works in some cars, I guess. Like, um, I guess it worked in the uh, car rings or adaptation. I mean, not, you know, like in car rings where they had the. I don't know what it's called in uh, Japan, but I know it's called the Turbo Megazord in America. Uh, Robo. Yeah. RV Robo. RV Robo. I do like that one. That was a good. That was a good-looking car mech. But uh, the other ones just were not that impressive. Our, I hated the uh, Bokenzer Zords. How they looked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that it, They were just really uncreative to me. And then RPM. Actually, I like them better in, uh, in uh, Gowanzer than I did RPM. Yeah. 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 But that's a whole different story for a whole different day. Yeah. Um. Anyway. We're back from our little tangent, which mm-hmm. has transferred over. So, after the fight, everything's good and done. Uh, ticket little puppet dude's like, hey, you guys are actually dead. And I'm just like, spoilers! We're only one episode <laughs> in! And the episode, episode one ends there. Uh, and I'm just like, left for a week, like, wait. Are they zombies? Are they ghosts? What I was, uh, what most people thought thought that he thought that he was thinking of was that like that they are gonna be dying if they continue on this journey. Like, oh, you guys are already dead if you already you know became some fugitives because you know this is a very serious job and you guys can die. So, see, I've read a different uh, articles and evidently some of the fan servers interpret that scene really differently because some fan servers have said. Ticket literally told him, you're dead. While others say what he meant was if you continue doing this crap, you're dead. And we're, we're going to have to discuss which one it really is at a later time in a later yeah. episode. Because it's actually a really big plot point from here on out. Anyway, um, after this point, uh, the Tokyo's begin their journey around I guess Japan is it, or is it like the entire world? Actually, are they set in like Earth as we know it, or are they like in a their own world? Basically, basically, what it is is that like uh, there's like an area with like where they live in, where they're like where they have to go in each town in in Japan to like save all the shadow towns and stuff, basically. That's what it is. Okay. I, I didn't know if, if these are like towns actually found in Japan or not. That's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, after this point, we get a lot of filler. Yeah, and, a lot of I mean, we could talk about every episode one by one here. But, yeah. uh... It, it's really... I barely remember the half the stuff that happened in those films. Oh, I, too. I know what happens. That's not the problem. The problem is that it's just not like that interesting. That's the biggest problem with Tokyo is there's so much dang filler and like nothing hap- nothing of consequence happens ever. Mm-hmm. Like they go from town to town, they fight the Sato, they defeat the Sato, 
and they move on. And the only thing that's really cool about the Sado at from this point on is every time that the Sado infects has a different like problem. For example, episode two had a swordmaster who I still think is one of my favorite villains from Tokyo. Honestly, like when, from in terms of, like footmen, yeah. not like big bad like uh, glitter and all that. But um, I really like this guy because he was a swordsman. He he basically had the entire town start dueling each other. So if they passed anyone, they automatically stopped walking, turned, faced each other, pulled out some swords, and started dueling to the death. Sort of kind of like how how with Pokemon, <laughs> you just look at the guy like, oh, I'm challenged to duel, duel, or like, wow. like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. That that episode has a whole new light for me now. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it's I, I I like this episode for that reason. It, it was a really creative take on a sword. Yeah, thing. that part where like freaking um, when the guy was like pulling pulling the swords up and like he went underneath the tunnel. <laughs> And yeah. his swords break. <laughs> that shit was funny. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, they do discover at some point during this episode that they think... Okay. One thing about the Tokyo users, all five of them collectively have no memory of where they're from. The last thing they remember is being kids. So they don't know where the last, like, what, 15 years of their life went? The 10, 18 years, actually, to be precise. 10? Okay. Yeah. I'll give them 10. It looks like they're older than that, but whatever. So, they start concluding, okay, one of these towns that they're cleansing of darkness is their home. So, to continue to enough of these towns, we'll find home. And, and what? Go ahead. And that's kind of where I have a problem with this premise, because uh, two other Sentais have kind of had this sort of premise uh one, and I can't really comment much on it because I haven't seen it, I've just read about it, is uh, Flashman, which is one of the older Sentais that was never adapted into the Power Rangers. And then we have another Sentai, which um, I pretty much made it clear in a video, but I posted it on Otaka Sentai Digiranger's channel. Uh, it's my least favorite Sentai. Oh, don't uh, tell me. Ghostager. And, and, like, and I don't have a problem with like them reusing premises because I mean after all like with 38 Sentais you can only come up with like so many new premises but mm -hmm. I would but I was really hoping that they would try to do something different with this premise and honestly like that's one huge problem like it's like just them trying to find their home but there's not really much of an interesting thing about it like Flash yeah. did it the best uh, Ghostsager could have done it really good but unfortunately didn't and this one, I guess, is kind of an improvement over Ghostsager, but that's not really saying much. Like, we miss Ghostsager from like um, at, like the end of the series. So, like, they like don't want me to get to the show. See that? Anthony, stop really talking. Your mic went out again. <sighs> I guess what I can kind of say is that like here, I mean, I do like how they constantly bring up like them trying to come home and like they're trying to make a visible effort while. With a Ghostsager, um, except for like the second episode, and then I think uh, episode 25, and then finally the last episode, those seem to be the only episodes where they where they showed that they actually gave a shit about returning home. Like yeah. every other episode was just like was just like monsters come out, we got to go fight it. Who gives a shit if we can go home or something like that? So, well, not even that, but like 
Every it feels like every now and then during these filler episodes, at the end, there's something where like let me get an example episode three, uh, risking everything after we send wrong concludes and uh, this, the episode basically is the coffin episode where they're fighting the coffin master guy who basically yeah. takes all the guys, takes yep. anyone in, anyone in the town, puts them in a coffin and buries them or something like that. That was creepy. It was. Anyway, Kagura is uh, dealing with this monster as her own thing, and um, during the battle, she has a glimpse of her past, and she sees a lot of water in like a nearby pool or something, and from this memory, she can conclude, okay, our hometown is somewhere near the sea, or um, later on, there's something about like a festival that they all remember like a festival happening, so... I'm not getting into that too much right now, but they kind of over time do kind of say, okay, we can narrow it down from a memory from the filler that this is a identifying trait of our town. But Nathan, I, I agree with you. They, they don't make an, a valiant effort to try and find her home ever. But at the same time, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think part of it is because they are super sentai and their, their job is to vanquish the dark. Yeah, yeah, and that—that's one of the things. Like, I mean, <clears throat> like I don't really mind it. It's just like I do wish that, like, it, it's why I have more of a problem with the uh, Ghostager though. Is that Ghostager didn't even mention much of returning to the Ghost World, but with Tokyo, I understand that, like, getting home is one of their priorities, but protecting the world is their first priority. And, but I am—I do appreciate that the Tokyo's at least mention returning to their hometown more often than just like maybe once like every 20 episodes or something like that mm -hmm. um real quickly um let's change gears if you might um instead of talking about the actual episodes which i mean we can do that if you all want to as well but I want to take a moment to talk about, talk about these characters a little bit. Yeah, that that probably be the best thing to do, because... Because I feel like the characters... A lot of these fillers are based around characters more than anything else. Yeah. And it's pointless to talk about this stuff without talking about the characters at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make this easier for the, uh, for the listeners. From this point out, for the rest of the eight episodes seven episodes left in this uh, review, it's all filler. Nothing really, truly happens. I think they get, like, a train armament at some point. Well... Yeah, they get... They find different um, armaments for the trains and stuff. And I think they do also... Isn't it by this point that they find uh, these, find uh, one of the mechas that leads them to get getting their secondary mecha? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we'll we'll go back to that then. You're right. I thought I was later on. Um, it was. But, well, I think they. I think they found one of them like earlier on. They found the shield. <laughs> yeah, the shield. They find sealed. They find um. Diesel and they find uh drill. No, not drill. Yeah, drill was uh well. Way later. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it'll come to me when we start, like, talking about the other episodes, but real quick with the characters, um, actually, Nathan, I think you have a better, you have a better logic on the characters than I do, so if you want to talk about that. 
I can start hearing you talk about them. Well, honestly, like with the Tokyo jurors, I mean, I guess, honestly, um, up until uh, up until a later point, the only two Tokyo jurors that I really cared about and actually liked were uh, Hikari and uh, Kagura. Um, and, I, like, I like her too, yeah. And, you know, I liked Hikari, um, like, with, like, because I always, like, I always really like the uh, serious characters and, like, and, like, every Sentai, because every Sentai needs to have at least one serious character. Even the uh, really silly ones have to have it. And Hikari was cool. Uh, there was one episode, I think it was uh, episode seven, where um, it's revealed that he has this uh, Kendama toy, which he uses to, like, uh, help him think better. And I was really hoping that, and I was really interested in, like, having, like, how that helps him think better. And and I was actually happy that the series would later uh, give us a little bit of revelation on that. So yeah. I like Takari. Um, and Kagura, well, I mean... First off, I mean, it's impossible to hate Kagura because she's just too fucking adorable. But, um, but, you know, I also, I like the characters who, I like the characters who, she seemed to be like the character that was the most interesting considering how she was, like the first episode outright shows her that she, <clears throat> that she, that she, has the probably the second most imagination because she like she's weak, but then like she has to use her imagination and like make believe it's so like yeah. girl or something like that. And like, as far as like combat ability goes, she's like the least experienced in combat. Yeah, but I always like characters like that because like they all like like that like she was she reminded me a lot about I am and a Go Kaiser a little bit like yeah, yeah. and. Yes, and I just, I was definitely hoping that I was, I definitely look forward to seeing an arc for her. Like, hopefully, like, by the end of a show, she's a bit more, like, I wouldn't say, like, completely, um, I wouldn't say completely stronger or, like, more serious, but at least a bit more of a competent fighter. Kind of like a, kind of like I what am. a, yeah. Or maybe a little bit of what they were pushing for with Don and Gokaiger, but... Yeah. Um, aside from that, though, none of the um, Wright was just a boring. Uh, Wright just seemed like a boring Red Ranger to me. Um, like he didn't seem the least bit interesting. I mean, I, which, <clears throat> which I think, which I and I really felt that the series was also going to be Red centric because the first episode. Literally has all four of the all five of the Rangers except Red already be Rangers, and then the Red Ranger gets his powers in the first episode, and that's exactly what they did with Cure Uger. And well, without giving too many spoilers, Cure Uger is like the epitome of Red centric. Mm -hmm. And um, so so he, the so I I guess in a way I was kind of happy that they didn't focus on him completely. But he was still really boring. Um, now, with that said, the characters that they did focus on, like Takati, I yes. wish they hadn't. 
Yeah, Togachi is just... Yeah. I, I know some people like him, and I understand that, like, he could be a likable character because he's funny, but... I don't think focusing on comic relief characters is really a good move, and that's... Well, the thing with Takati is... He's the stereotypical Blue Ranger nerd, like how in uh, Power Rangers Mighty Morphin, um, Billy was a nerd. The difference is, when I was, um, when I began watching this, I honestly pegged Takati as the smart, intellectual, quick-on-your-feet battle tactic guy. Like, he would be the one to tell you how to get out of a, out of a, a thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Izzy and Digimon was. Like, yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't a fighter. He was a guy that could think outside the box and do something. That's what I hope Takati would be. No. He's also a klutz. Takati is a klutz, and he's not all that smart. No. Uh, Hikari, however, is really smart, and mm -hmm. he's really, really, um... He's a good second-in-command, I feel, for the two yeah. answers. And, um, he's always, like, one step ahead of everyone else. And one thing I want to point out here, in the second episode, like, He's actually the only one that was like, okay, we got to focus on, like, you know, getting get by more answers and stuff. And, like, right, just like, nope, we should just do this. And I'm like, listen to Hikari. You know what he's talking about. I think if they had just, like, listened to Hikari more often, they'd be done by now. Exactly. And that's, like, like to me, like, Hikari just seemed like, and, I'm, and I don't mean to, like, insult Anthony here, but, uh, to me, uh, to me, Hikari just really seemed like an instant replay of the Green Ranger that we got uh, last season. Uh, you talking about uh, like uh, Kui uh, Green? Yeah, Soji. And I know Anthony is a big fan of the character, and he was an awesome Green Ranger, but the problem yeah. was that the show did not focus on him that much, even yeah. though he's one of the more interesting members of the Core 5. And here, it's the exact same thing. Hikari is an interesting uh, is an interesting uh, Tokuger, but... <laughs> I think, and I kept on complaining about this, like, the last episode that we get that focuses on him, I think is actually in this uh, little uh, area of episodes. It's like an episode where, like, the Tokugers get arrested, and he starts taking detective skills to rescue them. And... Dude, he is my hero for that episode. That, that was a pretty good episode. I like that. But, um, going back on track, because that's way later on, um, did we talk about Miyu? I think we did. Or no? no, we didn't talk about her yet. Okay. So, real quick, Mio's the yellow ranger, and she's really, she, she's really like a mother character. She's a mother figure for, like, uh, Kagura. She tries to uh, keep, make sure that everyone's, like, healthy and well-fed and happy. That's her, that's her concerns in life, really. She's also very, 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 very uncomfortable when it comes to guys, like, she does not want any guys around her, like in that in any in, in, in sexual way or any like. Well, there, I I see the reason for why that is, but that's a later kind of thing. Yeah. Other than that, though, she just seemed to be like. Uh, I guess the I guess the best comparison would be uh, Shink and Pink. I think. Just I would a... say Luca too. Yeah. yeah. Well, not really Luca, because Luca's more badass than that. Yeah, but um, he has a soft. She's, she's more soft 
spoken than Luca is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's literally what Shink and Pink is. Like Shink and Pink is just a it's just a sweet and like motherly character. So I think okay. I think she's kind of a mixture of both in a sense, sort of. Maybe. So um, aside from all that, we were talking about earlier the auxiliaries uh, mechas that they pick up, and um, I went back and I ran through my reviews and I found I found a list of them. Um, they found the sealed Resso. I'm pretty sure that's the name of, the, of that, uh, Resso. Right? I think I thought it was Signal Resso or something. No, Signal's later on, I think. Yeah. I'll Signal that. Yeah. So, they find the sealed Resso, and that's the first thing they find, and that's when they discover that there are certain trains that left the Rainbow Line, and they got too far from it, and they lost their connection way back. So due to that, they've been kind of dormant, sleeping. In some cases, they've been pretty much powerless to move on their own. Seal's the first one. It forms a seal for them to use in battle. Car Carrier is the second one. And that appears in Episode 5, where um, the Tokyo just find a place that they can't get to via the train track. Because the train track's actually kind of gone. <laughs> so car carrier loads up some mini trains onto it and they use the car car, car carrier resso to uh, just suit some cars over the gap and get to the other side to do some reconnaissance while a uh, conductor and ticket fix the train track because that's what they do apparently um, and then diesel who is my by far my favorite uh, train in the entire so I mean I love Diesel O Diesel is the old uh, tank um, train that they found near, near like a museum his signal was so faint that they could barely hear him and uh, whenever Wright found him he discovered it's a really old train and something about the fact that he calls him Gramps this really kind of, I really it just really kind of hit home for me like I like that yeah like it wasn't just another resort it was like an actual friend in a way like even if it wasn't like an actual sentient being it's just that kind of connection I guess yeah it was it was really cool because uh yeah I've seen this before too uh, it, actually I I actually saw it in the uh, Sentab and I'm currently watching right now with uh, Mega Ranger where uh the equivalent to the uh, Delta Megazord, which is actually called Delta Mega in a uh, Mega Ranger. Like, there, there was literally like an entire episode that's devoted to uh, Mega Red's connection with Delta Mega. So, that would have a bag of that. Like, I, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Like, it's cool to see Rangers connect with Mecha, even if they're probably not actually living things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to explain what I saw in it, but. There was a connection there, and I really liked seeing that. It kind of gave a bit more depth. Well, it didn't really give so much depth to Wright, because Wright's an idiot, but... Yeah. It made it more memorable, I guess. Because that's the only one I really cared about. The others, oh. I didn't care about them. But, um, yeah, after they get in Episode 8, the Diesel uh, Ressa, they uh, find out the main train that they've been riding in needs some maintenance... So they use all the uh, support resses 
that they've gotten to this point to form a secondary train to go around. And in this episode, they actually form Diesel O, who, by the way, is probably a way better looking mech than uh, Tokyo. I, I, I agree. Like, wait, didn't they get a mech? Didn't they get a, um, another tree before that one? The tank, um, Russia, the one they got while fighting against Schwartz, one of the main generals, or was that a, like a later episode? I think you're right. They they had a well, Diesel was a combination of a diesel ratio, car carrier ratio, and tank ratio. Okay, you're right. I missed tank. Sorry. So, and, good. Now, I actually think that Diesel Ratio is pretty cool, too, especially since, uh, like, it actually shows, like, two Rangers, like, like since it's made up of three mechas instead of uh, five, you actually have two Rangers piloting one mecha, which I think is actually kind of cool. Uh, it reminds me of uh, some of the older Sentais that came out uh, where, like, the main mecha was, like, two or three mechas combining instead of, like, five into one. Mm-hmm. No, I really like the, uh... Diesel O for that reason. And um, I think even more the reason I liked it is because either the episode he was introduced in or the episode after he was introduced, there's a really epic battle between Diesel O and the Monster of the Week where Diesel it's a nighttime battle. Mm-hmm. And it's like things are on fire, things are going nuts. And Diesel O just looks really badass in the dark light. Yeah. And Tokyo comes to the, uh, comes to help out, and the two of them fight off the uh, monster and win the day. Cause good guys. Um, going back over the episodes for character development, the more interesting pl- uh, filler episodes we get is um. As we mentioned earlier, Kagura is a bit of a... Uh, she has the most imagination behind right. Yeah. So, Kagura is always like playing pretend with uh, whatever she's watching on her TV or whatever it was. And she's pretending to be like a ninja. And winds up, during the play, breaking Hikari's kendama. Which, for those who don't know, it's that little stick with the ball at the end tied by a rope. That when you uh, flick your wrist the right way, the ball will land on the cup on uh, at the end of the stick. It's kind of like ball in a cup, but like it's 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 made differently. Yeah. And Hikari really loves that kendama, and the kendama is a way for him to really like focus and think. For those who have seen House MD on uh, USA or Fox or whatever, think of House throwing the ball at the wall when he's starting to think of like how to diagnose a patient. That is the exact same thing Hikari does with the uh, Kendama. He is walking around with a thing, trying to solve the mystery or solve the problem, and that's his way to get out, get in the zone. So, Hikari breaking that's kind of a really big deal to him. Yeah. So, for the entire episode, Kagura is just feeling really, really uh, bad about it, and she feels like Hikari hates her and it turns out Hikari is not really mad. He's just kind of like, well, I I should have expected this kind of thing to happen, but you're forgiven. And together, um, they realize the best way to defeat the axe-wielding uh, uh, monster of the week was to use um, 
their own uh, weapons to form a human kingdom of to uh, launch one uh, ranger at the monster to attack while the other one stays back to defend and then rinse and repeat which is a really cool tactic and that's one of the reasons why Hikari is so badass because he thinks outside the box and sets a way that he can do something that badass looking yeah. that's... Mm-hmm. meanwhile just, just to give you like a comparative kind of thing episode 10 is Takati driven and it's the one it, the episode's called Takati Dies at Sunset and quite honestly this is probably one of my least favorite episodes in the entire series um Takati is zogging along next to the train trying to build up his own endurance because in prior episodes he felt like he was a waste of a ranger because he couldn't really fight he can't really do anything he feels really worthless so he's trying to build himself up he meets his kid who's playing out in the field or whatever, and Takati's looking at a train, and the kid's like, what are you looking at? You're weird. And Takati's surprised because normally kids can see the rainbow uh, line. For example, back when they're looking at Diesel O, it was the kids that could, that could actually see Diesel O in the museum yard, and they're like, yeah, we see the train, but we don't ever talk about it because nobody else can see it. The adults don't know what we're talking about. They think we're crazy and we're making up stuff. So Takati's surprised to see that this kid couldn't see it, meaning the kid lost all his imagination. And Takati um, meets the monster soon thereafter, who marks him for dead at sunset. And the rest of the episode is just a Takati pity party. Basically. It's just a Takati pity party, and I really didn't like it. And unfortunately, we would have to get used to that because, without giving too much away, a lot of the episodes down the line would focus on Togachi. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of episodes dedicated to him. I feel like they could have focused less on him and focused more on something else. He he's he's a really pathetic character in not a good way. He he's he never learns either. That's the problem with him. In these ten episodes, he realized in like earlier on, I'm a waste. He tries to make himself more strong, but he still ends up in the same situation where he can't do anything. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure viewers will probably not approve of my assessment of him, but he more or less is just a wimp. He has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Um is there anything else that we want to hit on for these 10? Mm. Not really. Because it's mostly filler. Um, there's one word. Oh, villains. We should talk about them a little bit. So, the villains up until this point are three generals named General Swartz, who's the military leader of the saddle line. You have Lady Noir, who is um, the mother of the bride of the uh, Sato Emperor, who we have not met yet. The daughter's name is Glitter. Yep. Glitter yep. is a McDonald's nightmare. She is She really does look like Grimace. <laughs> Take the purple dude from Gr- uh, McDonald's Grimace. Yep. 
and mate him with a cat, and you have glitter. I, I just see it's really cre- see it's really creepy looking, but see it's a really well developed character down the line. I really enjoyed her character. Um, basically, Lady Noir is uh, trying to prepare her for marriage with uh, the Emperor, who we'll talk about next time. Yep. Because episode eleven onwards is where we meet the Emperor. Um, so the entire idea here is that. General Swartz, uh, about it, there's another guy named uh, Nero, but... Baron Nero. Baron Nero. He's not really that important, though. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He kind of sucks, isn't he? Sucks, he's, he's really not, like, he's not really prominent in these ten episodes at all. He's just kind of there. He's ba- I mean, even in, even in later episodes, like, he's really just that villain who's just evil for evil's sake. It doesn't really do much throughout the show. Yeah. Kind of suck up, too, honestly. He's he's a good yes man. He 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 follows whatever the rest of them say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But anyway, there's a scene where General Swartz gets back from the Rainbow Line, uh, fighting the Rainbow Line, and uh, he gives Glitter his handkerchief, and Glitter takes this as a sign of affection, and soon thereafter she falls head over heels madly in love with this guy and he doesn't really even realize what he's done in the beginning he's just like here take the tanker sif he's like ah senpai noticed me senpai noticed me so that's basically what you get for the first arc is this unrequited love which I thought was really fantastic yeah it, it, it added a level of character development that was sorely lacking in the Tokyo's themselves. I think they're more developed than the uh, actual good guys. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big plus because uh, like a lot of the villains, uh, it, even especially as uh, some of the Tokyo, no, 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 uh, Kyoryuger villains, with the exception of uh, two villains, which I'm not going to give away because I don't want to give spoilers for Riz. Uh, yeah, yeah most don't. Of the Kyor, most of the Kyoryuger villains were really boring, in all honesty. Like, some of them were cool here and there, but, you know, I, I really appreciated how, like, were, like the first ten episodes, they were given a great, uh, glitter, more of a personality. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Like, just, like, one of the things, like, it's kind of become common, like, I'm not sure, like, when they started this, like, like, back in 80s Sentai's, like, villain focus was, like, huge. Like, hell, at times, like, there were, like, scene there were times where, like, villains would get more focused than the Rangers. But, uh, you know, but yeah. I, I guess I think, like, maybe when the 2000s came, though, Sentai's really just started to stop really caring much about their villains and just made them like bland so i really appreciated uh the shadow line being a bit more developed with some of its characters mm-hmm. um yeah i really didn't know these villains the... there's not much more i can say about that um so far i think we're at a point right now where we can stop and uh, get ready for the next set of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that, though, if y'all could um, rate on a scale of one to ten, Tokyo is there as a whole. 
I mean, uh, just, uh, just, just just 10 episodes, how would you rate the show at that point? I'll rate it maybe a 5. I, I didn't hear a word of that because you kind of broke out again. I think I think he said 5. Anthony? Yeah. You said 5? Yeah. Okay. Um, me personally, uh, I, I guess I could give it like maybe a 6, I guess, because yes, it's filler and a lot of the filler episodes are really stupid, but, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I guess some like episodes like episode seven that give character development for fillers, that kind of ranks it a little bit higher in my book. I mean, I think it's a lot better than Go Sager, at least, because mm-hmm. like, when I was 10 episodes into Go Sager, I actually, I actually uh, took a very, like, it's like, I didn't start watching Go Sager again until like almost like 10 months later. But, uh, so yeah, I can. Uh, it definitely at least kept like I still wanted to continue after the first ten episodes of Tolkien, so I can rank it at about a six or a seven. Yeah. So for me, when I first, I'm gonna go back and hit on the website a little bit. Given I've written uh, reviews for the first sixteen episodes, mm-hmm. um, going back and looking at the scores, I gave the episode one a seven point seven five, and then I I started thinking that it was going somewhere. Because in all honesty, it was going somewhere. The filler was leading somewhere. At the time, I just couldn't see where it was leading. But progressively, as time went on, it started dropping again. As I realized, well, okay, this filler is not going anywhere at all. So, I'm going to give just the first ten episodes a uh, slightly lower score than what I originally gave it. Given I know a lot more now about Tokyo than I did back in, um, what was it, May of last year. So, I'm going to give it a seven seven and a half, because the villains are really good, the, the fight scenes are interesting, the general premise of how the villains take over the towns are always fun and amusing to me, but... It really falls short on bad character development and a lack of a direction and plot. Mm-hmm. So seven and a half, y'all. You give it a five, and you give it a what? A six? Who me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Well, you got the. Uh, you heard it first here. All right. We are. Um, Anime Secrets, um, Toku Secrets is the name of this, uh, miniseries. Uh, it's probably gonna be like a full-time podcast once we get off the ground. So, until next time on Toku Secrets, uh, we are Rizwan, Nathan, and Anthony, and we are, I can't even think of like a good train pun for this. So, goodbye. <laughs>